This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. Swing and a fly to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! This is Brewers on Tap. Jamie's wheels and deals struck him out swinging. Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode number 86 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Grindle, and it is good to be with you from St. Louis, where the Brewers in the midst of a four-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals, continuing this road trip that began in Arizona last week. A lot to get to on the podcast There have been a ton of transactions made, a bunch of debuts made, one that was almost made that didn't end up happening, and we'll get into all that in just a second. But first, let's take a look at how the Brewers have fared since we last talked. Last Wednesday, the Brewers with a 6-3 win over the Giants, but then lost the finale of that series to the Giants at Miller Park by a score of 9-5 in extra innings and then the Brewers went on the road to Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks at a three-game series a win on Friday in eight to six fashion and then a tough loss on Saturday night where they led for a good chunk of the game but ended up falling three to two to the Diamondbacks and then a game that was closer than the final score in the Sunday getaway game where it was a one-nothing game going into the seventh and ended up being uh, an 11-1 to Diamondbacks win. So the Diamondbacks take two of three in that series. And, of course, uh, an off day Monday. And then two games on Tuesday. Cardinals winning the first game of that doubleheader 6 to nothing, But the Brewers coming back with an 8-5 victory in the second game of the doubleheader. So the Brewers currently sitting at 34-32 and overall. Still in first place in the National League Central by a game over the Cubs, and they'll finish up this series with the Cardinals. Two more games here in St. Louis, then come home for a six-game homestand against the Padres over the weekend, and then the Pirates, actually a seven-game homestand, I should say, a three-game series with the Padres over the weekend, and then a four-game series with the Pirates at home before going on the final road trip of the month of June, and basically wrapping up the month of June at that point as well. So a ton has been happening, as we told you, And one of the things that's happened is the amateur draft. The first two days of the draft are in the books. Ten rounds now are in the books. And on Monday night, in round one, the Brewers picked number nine. They took Keston Hira, second baseman out of UC Irvine, a guy that has a a very impressive bat. He led the NCAA in batting average on base percentage, but has some arm issues, so he did not throw. He DH'd exclusively during his junior season at UC Irvine. Might need surgery. That has not been determined yet. So we'll see what the Brewers do with Keston Hira moving forward from a health standpoint. But certainly a very intriguing college bat that the Brewers took in the first round with their first pick of the draft. Then they came back in pick number 34 in Comp A and took Tristan Lutz, an outfielder out of Arlington, Texas. Big power bat. 
210 pounds, 18 years old. And then in round two, they took right-hander Caden Lemons, who throws 95, 96. He's even touched some 97s on the mound. Brewers think there's even more in there for him out of that 6'5", 170-pound frame, a high schooler out of Birmingham, Alabama. Then on Tuesday, the Brewers came back and selected catcher K.J. Harrison out of Oregon State, left-hander Brendan Murphy, a high schooler out of Illinois, and a handful of other prospects took uh, eight more selections uh, in Tuesday's draft, and they'll finish up the draft uh, coming up on Wednesday. So an exciting time, obviously, for the Milwaukee Brewers, and especially for their number one pick, Keston Hira. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've, you know, I've, I'm a big baseball guy growing up, so um, you know, I know a lot about every team. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm honored to, to be part of the Brew Crew. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, I talked to Wim Pelzer, the area scout here, uh, a good amount. And, um, you know, you said nothing but great things. And um, you're excited to, to get out of the ballpark and check it out and, um, and, all, and see what the organization has to offer. This is, of course, the first draft that Todd Johnson, the director of amateur scouting, has run for the Brewers, and he's worked hand-in-hand with David Stearns and Matt Arnold and all of the scouts and, of course, Ray Montgomery and Zach Manassian, all of those guys having a hand in putting together this draft. A lot of work goes into uh, these three days uh, when it comes to getting eyes on players and pouring over the numbers. It, it is certainly a tedious process, and so uh, a big day for the Brewers, adding more and more talent into that pipeline. Told you about all the transactions that have been going on. Last week, we got the debut of Brett Phillips. We talked about that on last week's podcast. But Josh Hader came up. He made his debut on Saturday against the Diamondbacks, pitched a scoreless inning. And Lewis Brenson was called up on Saturday as well. And he made his debut on Sunday. Brenson has just one hit in three games so far, so getting himself a little bit comfortable. But it's fun to see the future here with the Brewers right now. Also, Brandon Woodruff was called up on Tuesday for the doubleheader. He was scheduled to start game one as he was warming up, felt something in his right hamstring, ended up tweaking that right hamstring, and he's been placed on the 10-day DL, so he didn't make the start, and Brent Suter started in his stead. Brett Phillips is back with Colorado Springs right now. He's been optioned back to Colorado Springs, but it might not be the last time we see Brett Phillips this year. The Brewers at a point now where these guys like Phillips like Lewis Brenson and other names, can provide depth while the Brewers continue to be a part of this chase in the NL Central. We are in mid-June right now, and the Brewers in first place. Okay, let's jump in to a conversation with somebody we just talked about, Brewers' top prospect, Lewis Brenson. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player, and uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It, was, uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses. And that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the Clubhouse Conversation. Lewis Brenson is an impressive physical specimen. This is a big guy. He's an impressive guy in the way he carries himself. Very confident young man. And I had a chance to talk to him about what this experience has been like so far since getting called up. I was telling my family 
Uh, I, they told me I didn't look nervous, uh, you know, my first at bat, and you know, I, I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be. I definitely had some better, some butterflies, you know, first big league at bat. Um, but once I made contact, uh, I told everybody once I had that first, you know, hard hit ball in the big leagues out of the way, I, I was good the rest of the day. And um, you know, getting that first game out of the way, you know, definitely uh, feels like I can settle in now and just play baseball. There's been a lot of movement over the last week or so. Brad Phillips was up; he was sent back down earlier today. Josh Hader comes up, Brandon Woodruff's up today. So when all that starts happening, were you sitting there wondering to yourself, when's my call going to come? I mean, I would be lying when if I told you I didn't. Uh, I knew it was coming, I uh, just didn't know when. And, uh, you know, I just told myself, you know, you're good enough to play up there. They know that. Um, you know, just some right circumstances have to happen, have, have to happen before, uh, you know, you get the call and just keep playing your game. And, I literally told myself that morning, and you know, I, I got the call that morning. So I, I think that little speech to myself kind of um, willed it to happen. So I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad to be up here. You showed up in the middle of the game your first day in the big leagues. So what was it like to to get to the clubhouse, see some of the guys? Ryan Braun walked you kind of down the tunnel to walk out and see Chase Field for the first time. Take me through what that was like for you. Oh, the whirlwind. Uh, you know, landing. Landing at the airport, uh, you know, they, they come to pick me up, you know, told me I was, uh, you know, I was active that night and I had to get my uniform on, just, you know, grab a pair of pants, grab my jersey, grab my hat, uh, grab some bats and glove and head out to the dugout. And, you know, first first person I see is Zach, Davi Zach Davies. I give him a hug. You know, he tells me congrats and I see Ryan Braun and, you know, he walks me down to the dugout, obviously. And, you know, I see everybody for the first time. I tried to kind of say hi everybody but try to get to Craig Council as, as fast as I can you know I've always heard you know you uh, make sure you thank the manager and you know tell him that you're here and um, you know so he can welcome you first but you know he was all the way at the end I came in the other side of the dugout so I, I tried to get him as fast as I could but it was, it was a whirlwind uh, you know I saw Chase Field open up you know 40,000 people and tried not to look out there I just tried to greet everybody in the dugout and kind of take it all in but you know it was an uh, overwhelming feeling feeling even though I wasn't in the game. Sometimes when you're a prospect like you are, or were considered before you came up at least, you, you think, well, I'm going to get my opportunity maybe late in the season. Maybe the team's not going to be playing as well. You come up and the Brewers are in first place. How much better does that make all of this? Oh, this is awesome. Uh, playing on a first place team, I was down in AAA and, uh, you know, now I am now. Uh, you know, this is what it's all about. It's all about winning up here and that's what I've came, come up here to do is to, you know, contribute to help the Brewers win. And, um, you know, that's what I plan on doing while I'm up here. What has the veteran presence been like or just the clubhouse feel in general in the little bit of time that you've been up here been like? Well, it's been loose. Uh, you know, the veterans have welcomed me, you know, with open arms. Uh, I met everybody in spring training, so that was good. So I kind of knew everybody coming into uh, my first game. So that was, that was nice to kind of have a feel for everybody's personality and everybody's feelings uh, towards me and, you know, it's it's been great so far. You know, the couple of days I've been here, um, you know, they made me sing uh, on the on the bus going to the going to the hotel from the airport. You know, I had to get that rookie hazing out of the way, and uh, you know, I'm already you know getting used to everybody, and you know, everybody like I said, everybody, coaching staff, and all have welcomed me with open arms. So it's been great so far. What was the song choice? Uh, you are by Charlie Wilson. I want that at my wedding, so uh, I, I decided to sing it. I'm not going to sing it at my wedding, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I sung that, and, you know, I think I did a pretty good job. Awesome. Well, Lewis, we appreciate it. Congratulations, and uh, best of luck today. Thank you very much.
My thanks to Lewis Brenson for giving us some time here on the podcast. All right, let's go down on the farm and check in with Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan. Checking in on the farm. Welcome to Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Grindle, and I'm joined by Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan. Tom, it's always good to see you. Good to be here, Lane. Busy time of year for you, getting ready for the draft in a couple of weeks, but also uh, getting ready to send some more guys out on assignments because uh, rookie ball will be starting up in a couple of weeks, too. So I'm sure there's a lot going on in your world. Absolutely. This time of the year, as you mentioned, our amateur scouts are doing their final looks at players, getting, getting their board really lined up. And from the player development side, we're focused on getting both our Helena Rookie League team and our Arizona Rookie League teams up and running in the middle of June. So we're heavily dependent on the players out of, those, out of that draft that'll supplement the players on hand that have been working hard in extended spring training. So it should be an interesting club. There's a lot of unknowns at this point. Obviously, those, both of those clubs really get filled up from players from the draft. So exciting times just to see who we're going to end up with. Tom, so much of what people focus on from a minor league standpoint is individual player development. That's a big part of, obviously, what you do. But it's fun to see the team succeed, and that's a big part of it, too. Guys learning how to win, learning to win together as a group, and there's been a lot of success so sure. far this year. You have to be really pleased with the way this, this, this farm system in general has performed sure. uh, up and down the board. I think the only team under 500 right now is the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and that was the team that made the playoffs a year ago sure. for you. Absolutely. It's, it's really a, a two-fold process. Number one, you want to see individual development. You have your player plans. You have guys checking off the boxes, so to speak, and continually advancing on an individual basis. But part and parcel with that is also the aspect of learning how to win, establishing that culture early on. So when you can have teams, even if they don't ultimately uh, win the first-half title, win the, win the season-long title, it's important for them every day coming to the ballpark having that extra dimension to their own individual success where the team concept is fostered and, and things really take root in the minor leagues, preparing them obviously for being in Miller Park in the future and obviously winning is the utmost importance up here. Let's go through the different levels and we'll begin in AAA with Colorado Springs. Probably one of the biggest challenges for you guys coming into this season in AAA was finding the at-bats for your outfield prospects. You had Britt Phillips sure. uh, in AAA, Ryan Cordell, Lewis Brenson, and then a guy in Kyle Wren who might not get all the hype and glory as a prospect, but certainly a guy that you like and has had sure. nothing but success since he's been at the AAA level. So challenging to find the at-bats and find ways to get guys into the lineup. And you guys have been able to get really creative. Ryan Cordell's played some infield, some third base, mm -hmm. and that's just an added benefit because we know that the manager at the major league level loves to use, use guys in a variety of roles. Sure, and it's as you mentioned, it's, it's a challenge, but obviously a great problem to have. You have a lot of talented players fighting for time um, but we have managed it pretty well to get them in there get them the number of at-bats as you mentioned with Cordell he had some history of playing in the infield with the Rangers prior to coming over in the trade last summer and that was something you know irrespective of the number of outfielders yeah. it was one of our goals to get them on the infield a couple times a week so we've tried to stay true to that it obviously certainly helped the situation and in in and credit to Ryan, he's really done a fabulous job at third. He's, he's a premium athlete. He probably can play a lot of positions on the field, but we found that third base, he can react, um, use his throwing arm, strong arm that he has. And he's, he's looked the part over there in the early going. 
When, when you look at guys like Brenson Phillips and Cordell specifically, all young guys that are relatively green in terms of AAA at-bats, um, sure. this is their first real full season exposure at the AAA level. Brenson has had a little bit of AAA experience in the past. What are you looking for in terms of consistency and in terms of development that tells you, okay, these guys are ready to take the next step again now? What, what are the, sure. some of the things you're looking at beyond just the numbers? Sure. I think it's different from each player. Mm -hmm. the, the constants, though, from player to player, strike zone judgment and discipline at the plate, uh, learning yeah. the strike zone. It, it's an ongoing process. Craig has a great line saying that the development of a player never stops. Yeah. Well, strike zone judgment, there's always room for improvement. So I think that's probably be, probably paramount with with all three guys, or all four guys, really, um, that we're talking about. But in addition, defensively, some things we've worked on with just, just basic uh, fundamentals in the outfield, whether it be route running, uh, cutoffs and relays, just, just getting guys to, to tighten up those areas so they're when, when they're up in Milwaukee in the near future, you know, that's part of their game that's been drilled down more and more. So I think it depends on the player individually who we're talking about. But in general, I think it's... No matter how far you are up in the system or, or what level you're at, I think there's always those key concepts that I think just from player to player are, are the constants between them. When you look at Phillips and the bounce back year that he's having, disappointing year last year in AA, but he is having a tremendous year so far with Colorado Springs. What's been the biggest change for him in your opinion? I think, I think a lot of it was he, he, he might have pressed a little bit last year where um, the, the ballparks are a little bit different, obviously very, yeah. very pitcher-friendly in Biloxi, the reverse in Colorado Springs. But to Brett's, to Brett's credit, he's really taken off, and I think it's, it's kind of rolling in the other direction where yeah. last year he maybe pressed a little bit early, kind of expanded the zone, chased a little bit more. This year, uh, showing better eye at the plate, drawing a few more walks, certainly hitting for the power he had last yeah. year, but also the doubles and, and so forth are coming as well, which is... Is really good to see, but it all starts really with his comfort zone at the plate. I think he's just he's got in a good routine, and he's he's really rolled here for the first two months. Couple of big arms that are in Colorado Springs: lefty Josh Hader and right-hander Brandon Woodruff, who was last year's minor league pitcher of the year. Woodruff's had a really good start. He's had a couple of hiccups, but that happens, and especially sure. at that level, playing in that ballpark, there's going to be some nights where maybe it doesn't quite happen sure. for you. I think everybody understands that. Hader still. The walk issue, probably something you guys are trying to iron out a little bit. Sure. We talk a lot about how do you evaluate guys, not just in Colorado Springs, but the PCLs and offensive league to begin with, too. How do you look at those guys within their individual efforts and understand, okay, he's making progress, even though sometimes maybe the numbers aren't there like we'd like? Absolutely. We look at a number of factors. I mean, similar to hitters with the pitchers, it is controlling the zone as a pitcher. So, yeah. uh, Josh last year and still to this year i think it'll always be something with him is uh we know what kind of fastball what kind mm -hmm. of army has so we've we've really hammered home his change up and his slider just tightening up those two pitches and last year i thought he made really good strides with his change ups it's turned into a very good pitch for him the slider i think was more of the emphasis this year so again the the, the ball strikes the walks um i think the walks are up a little bit perhaps you know trying to be a little too perfect at times yeah shying away from from certain uh, certain hitters, but with his stuff and his his arm strength, I mean, he can he's he's on the on the recent side. He's he's really been on the attack more, I think. So, yeah. uh, but with respect to Woodruff, now on the other hand, as you mentioned, off, off to a great start. Really, his home road splits haven't really been dramatically right. different, which is a credit to him as well. But I think a lot of them, it's both of those guys, the mentality 
you could put him on the moon and they're going to attack him. Yeah. They're going to do similar things. So I think it's just with Josh, he's starting to get into the flow, it seems, right now. But obviously more work to be done there. Woodruff kind of hit the ground running yeah. from day one. Is it similar, too, uh, Tom, to what we talk about sometimes in spring training when guys are trying to refine and, 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 and get their tools all ready for the regular season with Josh? I mean, you have certain things you want to see him work on and improve on. So sure. he... He may not be pitching in the same way that he would be once he gets to the major league level because of things that you guys are having him work on to get himself ready for that moment. Sure. There's there's certain things with pitch selection where we yep. focus on a certain percentage of pitches being change-ups or using the right. breaking ball. There's certain lineups you're going to have you know, more success. If he's facing all right-handed lineups, right. you'll see 35% change-ups on one night. Conversely, facing a lot of lefties, he's going to probably just pound them in with fastball sliders yeah. and not use the change. So there definitely is that component like spring where um, you do try and let him battle. You don't want to put too many uh, strings on him during games, but at the same time, you certainly want him to cross off those development objectives along the way. Tom, Michael Blazik's been a starter in the past. He's starting again at AAA. Yep. Is, is that something we're going to continue to see? I think he's been, as a credit to Michael, he's been very versatile. He's closed games yep. for him. He's, you know, AAA, you're always at the whim of what's what's available, what the big league team needs. So a lot of times it's just been out of out of need. We've needed a starter. He's had such success starting now that it's just something more, almost almost as we talk about position players, versatility. It's, uh, you never know. He's finding himself. I think he's a, he, he is a really a four-pitch guy, mm -hmm. so he can adapt to that starting role pretty well. And I think it, while he's doing that, whether he ends up starting, relieving, you know, he's working on all four pitches. So it's a, it's a benefit to Michael. Let's go to double-A. Biloxi got off to a little bit of a slow start, and then they just took off, and they're playing great baseball right now, and they've been surging. A lot of it due to pitching. They've got the offense going a little bit better, too. M Mauricio Dubon's off to a very good start in double-A. He is. He's, uh, he's really, from day one when we met him in spring training, kind of got to know him. Uh, uh, mentally, instinctually, he's really off the charts. Yeah. Outstanding makeup, loves to play, loves to learn. I mean, he's always a sponge for information. He always seems to be you know, thinking one, one play ahead or one step ahead. So, um, but on the field, I mean, he swung the bat very well. He's, he loves to steal bases. I mean, he's, he's leading, I believe, the Southern League right now or thereabouts, 24 stolen bases. So he's really been the spark plug hitting either first or second most of the year for that club. But as you mentioned, the pitching has really been solid, especially as of late, and the bats have come alive to uh, to just give him enough offense to, to get him going. Dubon's still a young guy, but when you look at him, is that somebody that before the season begins you go, okay, he's going to go to double A and we're going to keep him there the whole year regardless? Or if he continues to play well, is that something you reevaluate in July or August? No, I think it's, I think it's something that just from, from opening day on really is something yep. we've been monitoring him. And mm -hmm. I think at some point he's going to basically, by the way he's playing, he's yep. going to tell us, hey, I'm ready for that next challenge, whether that's you know, middle of the season, toward the end of the season. Yeah. We're not exactly sure yet. We'll still monitor him. But um, that is a challenge, that ballpark in Biloxi. And right. He's putting up the, the numbers there that you definitely yeah. like to see. So I think he's, he's, he's getting close to that point where he's kind of showing us, hey, when the opportunity arises, he's certainly meriting discussion to, to go up. On the mound, Jorge Lopez had a tremendous month of April. Maybe he hasn't had as much success in May, but it was an unbelievable April he put together. Uh, Luis Ortiz has been pretty consistent uh, overall. Uh, again, a very young guy at that yes. level. I mean, last year couldn't believe how young he was and competing the way he was in Double A. Um, yeah. And then Aaron Wilkerson has really turned the corner. He's having a big month of, or had a big month of May. 
as well. So that, that's been a, a really good rotation overall. Angel Ventura is another guy that I'm not even talking about Absolutely. who's pitched. You know, he kind of gets overlooked, and he maybe yeah. has pitched as well as any of them all yeah. season long too. Yeah, really all four of those guys have, have thrown the ball well. Just one of the guys you mentioned, Luis Ortiz, very very young still for double-A, yeah. but he really has an idea how to pitch. I mean, he's got the this, this stuff, which we knew when we acquired him, but just our staff, Chris Hook has done a nice job working with him, just talking about how he really he sees the whole picture. He can attack hitters, um, pitches up in the zone fairly well. Um, and he, he uses a stuff that is very good to begin with very well. So he's a, he's a guy we're especially excited about. But all four of those names you mentioned have, have thrown the ball. Wilkerson especially, have, his last three, four starts have been very, very good and, and certainly propelling that team to a strong close here, hopefully in the first half. Interesting name on the AA roster is Nick Ramirez. Um, great changeup left-hander, probably has a future as a, as a reliever moving forward. How pleased have you guys been with his development, his transition back to the mound? He hadn't done it since college. Very much so. He, he, as you mentioned, hasn't pitched since college. Brought him out in the instructional league, faced hitters for the first time last year. Really looked very natural, like he wasn't a, a converted guy. He looked like mm -hmm. a pitcher. And um, I think the challenge for us has been just managing his innings, managing his workload so that we didn't throw too much at him, just having that six, seven-year layoff from pitching. Didn't want to overwhelm him physically, first of all, but yeah. he's, he's handled it. They've used him very regularly, got him some pinch hits. He's already homered uh, in that dual yeah. role, so to speak. So we've, we've kind of backed off the position player side of things just to let him establish physically his, his body and things as a pitcher. But very, very pleased with his progress to this point. A lot of development going on in Class A Advanced Carolina, the newest affiliate of the Brewers organization. And this is a team just chock full of prospects. It's probably one of the top prospect teams in all of minor league baseball. You have Corey Ray last year's first round draft pick there. He's starting to heat up. Trent Clark from a couple of years ago first round pick. Uh, he has had some nice moments already this season. Story there though position player wise is Jake Gatewood who has just come back and put together a career year for him. Uh, what an amazing thing to see. What all went into this resurgence for Jake Gatewood? We've, we've heard about a new stance sure. and a little bit different approach that he did some things to, to help his eyesight. I mean, there's just, it seems like a, a combination of a lot of things, but it's all working for him right now, no question. Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of stories out there of different things that he's done. The way I look at it is, in talking to him, he was a different guy in spring training mentally. He was yeah. just, he was just in a, a really good place, we felt, and he's always had good spring trainings. He's always had good instructional leagues, and he basically told us, hey, I've, I've taken care of things. I'm going to be a different guy. So, Whatever the, whatever the actual cause, it's a credit to Jake, and, and he's, a, he's a much improved hitter and has played a nice first base. He's played a little bit of third base for us, which he has played in the past. So we'll move him around. He's, he, again, you mentioned premium athletes. He's mm -hmm. at the top of the scale. But whatever the, the credit, everybody can have credit, but it's, it's credit to Jake first and foremost for the job he did in the offseason and, and has carried it in through the season. Big-time power, uh, can play either corner spot, was drafted as a shortstop coming out of high school. Just... Uh, a really exciting prospect for the Brewers that um, people had maybe forgotten a little bit about last year at the end of the season and now has put himself right back on the map. Uh, really need to see from Jake Gatewood. More sure. walks already than he did all of last year, so yep. his approach at the plate certainly has uh, Absolutely, yeah, the walks, uh, going to right field more, he's just yep. using the whole field. He's, a, he's really reinvented his swing. He's always had a nice swing. He's had the power. Now he's getting to it more often and, and using it, obviously, on a nightly basis. Corey Ray had the injury, which set him back a little bit, but it looks like he's totally settled in now and, and feeling really comfortable in Class A. Yeah, he's, he has really turned it on. I would say the last two weeks the staff has kind of reported he was getting 
getting locked in a little bit more at the plate, using his power more, just mm -hmm. getting to it a little bit more. And, and uh, it's good to see. As you mentioned, he had the knee injury last instructional league, uh, did a solid job rehabbing that. We wanted to make sure everything was 100%. The medical staff was on top of it, did an outstanding job. And um, as he's gotten more comfortable as the season's unfolded, I uh, started to look better in the outfield, the routes he's run, and obviously at the plate, the numbers show that he's he's heating up. And the power from Isan Diaz is still there. He's still showing all that power. Last year, slow start, then he turned the corner kind of towards the, the mid to late May part of things and just took off from there. Sure. And it looks kind of similar to that, a little bit of a slow start in April, but he's yeah. been really good in May and, and again, showing a lot of power, which is Absolutely. great to see from middle infield guy. Absolutely, yeah. He's done a nice job on the infield for us, as you mentioned, but the, the power, he's got... Really pole to pole left, mm -hmm. you know, he can go the other way with balls. Uh, pretty easy power, easy swing, knows the strike zone, does a nice job um, given quality at bat. I know in, in Carolina's club he's one of the, the leaders in pitches seen per, per at bat, which is obviously good to see in a young player. He, he does uh, work the pitcher pretty well and, and can get to that power. We discussed all the arms in double A ton of arms in A advanced, and one of them is in double-A now. Corbin Burns got off to a great start, really almost a per I'm not sure you could find a pitcher in minor league baseball that, that put up better numbers than Corbin Burns to start the year. Yeah, he's he really, coming out of spring training, I think he was a guy that, based on stuff, you could, you could feel good about slotting him in anywhere. Carolina, just being in Wisconsin a little bit last year, I think Carolina was a nice fit for him. He quickly showed he was above that level of competition. Got him up to double A, uh, made his first uh, debut outing. Unfortunately, the rain cut it short, but didn't allow a hit. Pitched very well. So I think he'll be he'll be a guy that um, definitely double A is going to be. Yeah. Our guys will love to see uh, throwing the ball for them and big things out of the future. He's, he's similar in a way to the path of Brandon Woodruff last yeah. year where started out in high A, kind of dominated the competition, got him to double A. So we'll get him some innings there and, and keep letting him work. Cody Ponce has shown the ability to eat innings, which has to be a really positive thing. I mean, that's kind of the, the level when you start to see guys stretch out a little bit more. You don't double up guys as much uh, when you get to Class A advanced. And Ponce, I think the last time I looked, eight out of his ten starts, he'd gone seven innings or longer. That's yeah. a tremendous quality. And it uh, looks like he's taken that next step. And he showed it in spurts last year, too, sure. when he was in Class A advanced in the Florida State League. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, as you mentioned, he's been you know solid seven innings, it seems like, every outing. Which is, which is huge for him. That tells us one thing is managing his pitch as well. He's getting a lot of pitches on, or a lot of outs on three pitches or less and, and kind of moving hitters. He's attacking the zone. May not have the strikeout numbers that he will certainly down the road, I feel, but at this point um, he, is, he is getting the job done. I mean, he's, he's probably knocking on that, that double-A door as well in the near future. Yeah, he's a big guy, too. You ever shake his hand, there's like a shadow coming from his hand. <laughs> you can tell he's a pitcher and he's a guy that's going to be durable for you. Uh, over the long haul. Um, turning our attention to Class A Advanced, um, or um, excuse me, Class A in the Midwest League with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, Monte Harrison has uh, been a fun story to follow because he's yeah. been just plagued by injuries throughout his career. I'm sure he wishes he was in Carolina sure. with a lot of the guys he came up with, but he has taken it in stride. I went up and visited a couple weeks ago. Um, he's really turned into a leader on that team in many ways, and, and he's showing the power that we've all seen from him in the past. This looks like a guy ready now to kind of settle into his career a little bit after some tough, some tough goes of it the last couple of years. Absolutely. As, to no fault of, of Montes, I mean, obviously he's bitten by the injury bug quite a bit in his career with us. This year, uh, first two months, very, very, uh, very healthy, putting up the numbers. I think that's the player you'll see. 
And as you mentioned, he's really a, the reports from the staff there. Monte has been fabulous in the clubhouse in terms of the t- you know kind of the natural team leader on that club. Um, as you mentioned, ability-wise, probably capable being in Carolina right now. But we have we've had a long meeting with uh, Monte and Spring and just stressed that. And his point is at this point in his career, the number one. Uh, thing that he needs is at bats, regardless yeah. of where they are. So he can get those hitting near the top of the order in Wisconsin. In due time, surely he'll be in Carolina. But at this point, just getting those at bats is is crucial, and he's taking advantage of them. Matt Erickson, the manager for the Timber Rattlers, told me a couple of weeks ago he felt like Mario Feliciano, who's 18 years old, which is really unheard of for a catcher to be 18 years old, be in the Midwest League that he feels he has maybe the best two-strike approach on the team. So offensively, you knew that you were getting a pretty good one, I think, when you drafted Feliciano. How has he progressed behind the plate on top of what Matt just told me with his two-strike approach? I think that speaks to his maturity. No, he's done a fabulous job behind the plate. He doesn't have the strongest of arms. It's solid. It's a a solid, no-problem catcher's arm. But uh, our catching instructor, Charlie Green, noticed pretty quickly that he's instinctual. He gets rid of the ball very quickly. And what, what helped him a little bit is, even though he didn't get a lot of at-bats, he participated in the Puerto Rican Winter League. He yeah. was able to catch pens, some older pitchers, and uh, number one, a credit to, to Mario to do that, to get out there and, and know that you're not going to hit a lot, right. but get out there get that work in. So that's first and foremost. And then number two, just taking that into games in spring training. Uh, again, I'll mention Charlie. He was, he was kind of pushing that, hey, let's get this guy to Wisconsin, which – you look at the raw numbers on paper and you may think, boy, what's a yeah. lot of risk there to send him. But in actuality, he's really been you know, hitting in the heart of their order, putting up pretty solid numbers regardless of age in that league. And uh, it's really been a, a fun kid to watch. I mean, he's worked hard. He's, he's an instinctual guy as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a, at the catching position, that, that should be boding well for his future. One final name I want to talk about, Trey Supak, who's now in Class A advance. But uh, mm-hmm. A guy that came over in the Jason Rogers trade along with Keon Broxton. And I think everybody focuses on the Broxton part of that trade because he's at the major league level and having a lot of success. But this is a really interesting young arm. Big-bodied guy, but good stuff. And he's done nothing but put up good numbers everywhere he's been. He has, yeah. He's got the big curveball, good fastball. I mean, as you mentioned, he's an imposing figure on the mound, strike thrower. I mean, he has has no command issues whatsoever. It's something that he continues to refine and get better at. And the way he was pitching in the Midwest League, certainly we thought it was time to get him moving and, yep. and get those innings now at the advanced A level and see where it goes. But he's a guy we're very excited to have and continue to work with and could see big things from him in the future. When you look at guys at the Class A advanced level, um, I'll use a Freddie Peralta as an example who has big-time stuff and power stuff. <laughs> Is that the level when you start to decide, okay, this guy's going to be a starter or we're going to maybe look at this guy as a late-inning high-leverage guy? What mm-hmm. level do you start to sort those things out. Not to say sure. that Freddie Peralta is not a starter. Sure. That's a decision you guys are going to make. But yeah. certainly, you look at his stuff and go, wow, that could be a really good late-inning guy, too. When do you start to make those decisions on guys? Sure. I don't, I don't think there's a certain level, perhaps, yeah. when we make the decision, but it's an ongoing process where even if a pitcher may end up as a reliever, you still want him to start as long as possible. Yeah. Number one, the need in the major league level for starters. Yeah. And number two, just to work on their full arsenal. Guys will get in the habit of going to the pen and just focusing on one or two pitches, which right. they can get away with as a reliever. But in in the minor leagues, with development yep. being what it is, you certainly want them to use those other pitches and refine them because a guy in, in Class A ball may not have that third or fourth pitch even. And by double A, he develops it, and now you're talking about a 
pretty valuable player here that can that can start. So I think it depends on the player. We try and use the tandem system at the lower levels. One, it protects the pitcher's innings and workload, but number two, it also allows for more players to be or more pitchers to be utilized in that starting pitcher category instead of bullpen guys. So I think that that helps us. We've been fortunate the last two seasons at least to really have the candidates to do that. So both ends of the tandem have been some exciting guys to to watch and ponder their future. A lot easier to go from a starting pitcher to a reliever Absolutely. than vice versa. Yeah. So certainly keep that going as long as you possibly yeah. can. Well, we appreciate it, Tom. Thanks so much. So many good things to talk about. We didn't yeah. talk about Garrett Cooper, who's having a monster <laughs> year in AAA. We didn't talk about so many other guys that have sure. performed so well for the Brewers organization so far in 2017. We will do that another time down the road as uh, we wrap up this edition of uh, Checking In on the Farm here on Brewers on Tap TV. And thanks to Tom Flanagan for joining us on the podcast. Always good to catch up with him on all the things that are going on with the Brewers minor leagues. Let's look at what's going on at all the different levels for the Brewers. Of course, we're getting close to getting rookie ball underway, so pretty soon we're going to be telling you about the Helena Brewers in the Pioneer League as well, which should be exciting. But let's look at where the four main levels of the Brewers are currently at. Colorado Springs Sky Sox at 37 and 25 took a loss on Tuesday as they are on the road at Memphis. They played with just 21 active players on Tuesday because of uh, all of the different moves that have been going on back and forth between the Brewers and the Sky Sox. Uh, they will go on Wednesday afternoon, and Paolo Espino is scheduled to get the start, although he was with the Brewers on Tuesday night in Milwaukee. Double A Biloxi is at Mobile, and uh, the Shuckers are 34 and 31. They have used some very good pitching uh, to get themselves in a nice position in the south south division of the Southern League. Aaron Wilkerson is scheduled to get the start on Wednesday for the Shuckers. Class A Advanced Carolina is in the playoff mix. They are hoping to finish out the first half strong. They're sitting at 34-30 and 30 after their win on Tuesday. Troy Stokes has 10 home runs now for the Mudcats on the season. Jake Gatewood has put together a big year. And uh, uh, Cody Madero scheduled to get the ball on Wednesday for the Mudcats. Class A Wisconsin. The Timber Rattler is the only one of the four uh, A-level minor league teams for the Brewers that's not with a winning record currently. They're at 26 and 35. They play a double header on Wednesday Do the Timber Rattlers. Of course, a lot of All-Stars have been announced for all of these teams. We do not have the AAA All-Star rosters yet, but uh, AA Biloxi uh, sporting a handful of All-Stars, including Mauricio Dubon, being one of those all-stars. And, of course, he has had a big-time season with a ton of stolen bases. Very impressive what he's been able to do so far this year. Uh, also, Angel Ventura, uh, named to the Southern League All-Star Game. Uh, Matt Ramsey, named to the Southern League All-Star Game. And then we already told you about Mauricio Dubon. Dustin Demuth, also named to the AA All-Star Game. And Class A, Carolina. Uh, has uh, Class A advanced, I should say. Carolina has a handful of All-Stars as well. Certainly exciting for them with all the different Mudcats that have been named. Six of them total that have been named. And you've got Isan Diaz, you have Jake Gatewood, Nate Greep, Freddie Peralta, Cody Ponce, and Corey Ray uh, 
all named as All-Stars. While the Timber Rattlers, we're just telling you about them, very young team, extremely young team. They have three, Monte Harrison, Mario Feliciano, and Brandon Webb, all named to the Midwest League All-Star Game. So uh, a lot going on from that standpoint for the Brewers minor league affiliates. Here's what's on tap. Okay, here's what we have. This Friday, a homestand begins. Brewers and Padres. Friday's a free shirt Friday. First 20,000 fans receive a free short sleeve Brewers t-shirt courtesy of Hupy and Abraham. It was, of course, designed by a Brewers fan, and the winning design was voted on by Brewers fans. Saturday the 17th, post-game concert by multi-platinum Christian band Mercy Me. It's part of Faith Day presented by Thrive and Financial. And Sunday the 18th, the Brewers Golf Umbrella for Father's Day. First 20,000 fans, courtesy of Palermo's Frozen Pizza. Kids eat free Sunday as well. All kids 14 and under get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, applesauce, and an ice cream treat. Then the Pirates come to town, and we will tell you about one important part of that Pirates series. That's the Monday night game, Eric Thames' Revere the Beard t-shirt. All fans courtesy of... BP Come On Back Club are going to receive that yellow t-shirt featuring the silhouette of Eric Thames' face with Revere the Beard written in the facial hair. How cool is that? I'd like one of those. I'd like to be able to grow a beard like that, but I don't think it's ever going to actually happen for me. Okay, that's going to do it for us. We hope to see you out at the ballpark when the homestand begins with the Padres and Pirates. And the Padres, of course, coming into town this weekend. That's been episode number 86, episode number 87. Coming your way next week during the homestand. Have a good one, everybody. I'm Lincoln. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.